Before we get started for this week's show, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in with a special shout out to those who support us on Patreon. From just $2 US a month as a patron, you can access extended podcasts and other bonus content. A shout out to our newest patron, Nitesh Hemlani. Thank you for joining the EC movement. This week, we chat to Danish legend Freddie Klocker and we catch up with news from around the emerging cricket world. Welcome once again to another Emerging Cricket Podcast online and on Sport FM in Perth. I'm Daniel Beswick and with me are my two co-hosts up in Brisbane, Tim Cutler. Tim, how are you? Oh, very happy to be opening the innings with you, Daniel. I think last week I talked about um, impulse buying or maybe obsessively compulsively buying on Amazon. That, that's continued. It's always tough when the uh, the numbers come at the end of the month and how much money you've got to hand over to the man. But um <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Life's getting a little bit more normal. I think they're going to allow us back into office buildings next week. Back into the financial year here, so very, very busy in the insurance world. How are you, sir? How are those Excel spreadsheets? Are you winning? I'm still having fights with Excel spreadsheets. It's uh, It hasn't been great. I've learned a lot, though, which is good, and it's probably the Excel skills that I should have known a long time ago and I never got around to doing. So grateful for the experience our third member of the Emerging Cricket Podcast team, better known on Twitter as Copernicus Cricket, Nick Skinner. Nick, how are you? Oh, I'm all right. Just been doing some chores during the day, had a rental inspection, so, you know, that was fun. Oh. But uh, yeah, yeah, was, wasn't actually too bad, so that's very lucky. But yes, I'm, I'm well. Plenty to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to hear from Danish legend Freddie Klocker a little bit later as we talk to him about a range of cricketing issues and events out of Denmark. We'll chat a bucket load of news from all over the emerging cricket world. Plenty to talk about as we return to normality. But first, it's a congratulations uh, in the emerging cricket world as we welcomed a brand new fan into the world. And it's congratulations to longtime EC fan and patron PJ Hoodles and his partner Rebecca. Archer Aspen Rosenberg Hoodles, congratulations to you guys and just speaking to pj before he says he wants t10 cricket to boom so he can be a 90 minute sports dad he said any longer (laughs) is too long but congratulations pj we know you're listening as you have been to just about every single one of these podcasts and we do thank you for your patronage as well uh yes congratulations to pj and rebecca of course uh archie is a name for a baby is a very good cricketing pedigree there was archie jackson the australian batsman who was Uh, Struck 164 on debut and um, basically was touted as being a comparable talent to Bradman, but sadly died of, uh, of tuberculosis. There was also Archie McLaren, who was a sort of 19th century England player with a very colourful off-the-field history. He once scored 424 in a county game, though, which was the record until Brian Lara broke it uh, all those years later with his 501. So uh, hopefully Archie can uh, live up to his name. Well, I I unfortunately don't have any uh, tidbits or links to the name. Just uh, congratulations, my friend. And uh, it's always good to get drunken messages from you uh, telling us to to, uh, to do stuff (laughs) and how happy you are with EC. But uh, all the best. Been there myself and... uh Life will never be the same again, but it doesn't get any better either. A beer in the woodlands 
in the near future is much, much needed. In a Hawaiian shirt. I said in 20 years, will we have a fight between the USA and South Africa to see who takes him in international cricket teams? Um, we'll we'll <laughs> let those two countries decide in, in the near future. Not too sure, but it's congratulations nonetheless. Let's jump into the news for this week and we'll start in Uganda. And it's a new coach for them on the men's side of things, Lawrence Mahatlane. Uh, has coached the South African under-19s team. Pretty big shoes, Nick, to fill after Steve Ticolo left for the Tanzanian job. As we said, Lawrence with experience in the South African under-19 setup. Uh, an interesting move. African cricket does sort of lend itself to, to coaches from South Africa moving into other parts of Africa to coach and develop the game in the continent. I think we can be pretty hopeful of some positive change here. We know Tikolo's done a great job in Uganda, but we're, we're sure that Lawrence is going to uh, emulate that. Yeah, it's interesting they've gone with a South African. You know, you, you do see this with a lot of associate countries these days is, is going for the full member pedigree coach, which isn't necessarily always the best option. But I don't know. I, th- I think Mahatlani, he hasn't been... Um, he, he, he hasn't taken South Africa to maybe the the trophies that he would have wanted so it's it'll be interesting to see how it goes with Uganda and I mean I would have thought possibly there was someone with a bit more uh, local knowledge but yeah I I, th- I would hope that he, he brings a bit more of a maybe some professionalism from the South African sort of mindset so there'll be some benefit for Uganda as well yeah he comes in on a three-year contract I saw and there's quite a bit of discussion on Twitter at least from fans uh, in Uganda saying well what's the mandate he's coming on is he going to be building our, our performance systems and also growing the the youth so already that tells me that there's a lot of expectation on, on whoever was going to be taking this role. You know, Uganda are unbeaten after their first Challenge League B round, which happened in Oman uh, late last year, which was uh, Steve Ticolo's last series in charge. So there's huge shoes to fill. You know, that name Steve Ticolo is one of the greats of, of associate cricket. Um, interesting move for him to go to, to Tanzania for a, a country quite a few rungs below that of Uganda. But, you know, it's a profession and they obviously gave him a, a better deal. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I know he's talked a lot about the work he's done in schools and whatnot beforehand and, and how much he'll be able to get done in the youth systems will remains to be seen. Um, but there's definitely a lot of talent in that men's squad to see see what he does with it. You never know. Get them through to a uh, T20 World Cup qualifier. Could be very exciting. Yeah, looking forward to see how that goes. Uh, Uganda have got off to a flyer in the Challenge League as well. So he's got a bit of a leg up there once that does get up and running. But again, yeah, we'll be looking at that with a keen interest to Germany. And it's some somber news from Craig Mascheda, who's had to retire with immediate effect due to injury. Uh, Injuries affecting his shoulder. It it is a big loss for Germany, Nick. Um, And you sort of equated him to someone like Tim David at Singapore, where... Whenever they've been given an opportunity, and there have been limited opportunities, Machete has actually taken it with both hands and run with it. I remember him in the European qualifier hitting 30 off and over with the blade in his hand in one particular instance. So it's a little bit disappointing for, for Germany, but hopefully everyone around can can rally the Germans. And speaking to Brian Mantle a couple of weeks ago, they've had some really close disappointments, some close results not quite go their way. So something like this isn't great, but hopefully someone else can pick up the baton and, and carry on for Germany. Yeah, Machete definitely 
definitely leaves a, a big hole in their lineup. Um, that Tim David comparison, I think, fits pretty well. You know, he comes in and just absolutely whacks it and can bowl some some handy overs with the ball as well. He's definitely an influential player for them, and you know, he's only 28, so they were probably hoping to get quite a few more years of uh, <laughs> of service out of him. But uh, yeah, un- unfortunate that his career's come to an end uh, due to medical reasons. But obviously, he's got to take the um, advice of of the doctors. Yeah, as a keen observer of Glamorgan too, it's a big loss for them. Um, he's taped over the cracks there in, in the setup down in Cardiff for quite a while there. So it's a, it's a big shame. And hopefully, you know, the next chapter of his career or professional life bears fruit. Uh, to Ireland or to Australia, we should say, because we've seen a switch of allegiances. And this actually can open up a, a can of worms. And it's something rather new in the women's game that we have seen in the men's game perhaps a decade earlier. Kim Garth has announced that she's going to switch which allegiances and she intends to represent Australia on the international level. Ireland is a full member, but given the lack of opportunities there, uh, she has moved or she has lived in Australia for quite a while and she does intend to represent Australia going forward. Uh, She played for the Scorchers last year in the WBBL. She's been a figure in BBL cricket for a couple of years now. Uh, Her parents played for Ireland, but she will be trying to crack the Australian system. We've seen it with Lee Kasparik, Tim, uh, another example, but this kind of shows that the women's game is not quite up to speed yet. We talk about how big the T20 Women's World Cup has been, but in terms of professionalism, the Irish team and the Irish men's team not quite fully fledged professionally, and it tampered their development with another key talent going to another country to to try and crack a, a different system. Yeah, really disappointing. You know, we've talked about the opportunities and in, in the, the men's game of. of- players going from associates to full members and the the leakage there and the effects of that Brexit could have and I know that we want to ask Freddie about that uh, later in the in the show about the effect that that's going to have on growing the game within Europe but this is a full member we're talking about and it's a first team player Kim was in the the World Cup qualifiers um, in Scotland last year uh, they didn't get through that tournament that was when Thailand and Bangladesh progressed but geez, it, it doesn't bode well for for cricket in general, doesn't it? When a, a full member country loses one of its rising stars to, to want to go and start a career in another country, and don't forget she'll have a three-year stand-down period. So her, I, I'm assuming that was her last game for Ireland in, in late 2019. So she's not going to be available to play for, for Australia until 2022 any, anyway. But I'm guessing this means that um, we'll play in Australia and, and try and pick up a full-time contract, meaning that she can train, play professionally, and uh, hopefully play for Australia one day. But, yeah, what a blow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you can't blame her. She's, she's trying to play cricket professionally, and the opportunities just aren't there in Ireland. You, you talked about Ireland being a full member, and, yes, technically they are, but they're sort of almost full member light mm. in a way. You know, you, you look at the fixtures that they have and the funding that they have and, you know, the opportunities for their players, and it's not really up to... You know the standard of of other full members. Um, so it's they're sort of stuck in this awkward middle ground where they have a lot of the expectations of a of a full member team, but a lot of the challenges of an associate at the same time. And obviously, the the fact that they um they, they've uh, had some financial issues over the last year or so, and that probably doesn't help. But yeah, it, it is disappointing. Uh, but I think Bez, you made an, an interesting point about this before we came on air, which was that women's cricket is sort of you know, 10 years ago, we were having these conversations about Ed Joyce and, and Owen Morgan and, and Boyd Rankin. And 
you know, the, that was one of the big arguments for Ireland um, getting test status was was to retain their men's players. But the women's game is sort of 10 years behind the men's game in, in terms of the opportunities being presented for the first team players. There's two points to this. And the first one being that Irish women's cricketers have almost got a double whammy here because if they were associates, Kim Garth would be able to make that transition to the Australian team a lot easier coming from an associate member to a full member. But Ireland, as we said, are yeah in that weird bubble of being a full member, but not having that stability, that financial stability for, for them to, to really push on. So she's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, Kim. And, and I don't think, you know, we shouldn't have any qualms or there's there shouldn't be any vitriol thrown at Kim for making this decision because, you know, it's it's a personal one and she needs to make the decision that's right for herself and right for her future in, in cricket and a professional career in cricket. She's 24 now. She'll be 27 once, be, once she becomes eligible for Australia. So time is on her side, but you can't, yeah, you can't fault her for making this decision. And I don't really think you could make that fault of those Irish men's players that you mentioned a decade or so ago, you know, they were, again, caught in that situation where they wanted to make a professional career in cricket. They've worked hard over the last 10 to 15 years, develop their game and become a very, very good at what they do. You couldn't fault them for what they were doing. Now, Ireland's men, and we've seen Boyd Rankin come back. We've seen Ed Joyce come back. I uh, haven't seen the same from Alan Morgan, but he's gone from strength to strength. In the English setup, you can't fault them for the decision that they made because ultimately, you know, it's 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 food on the table for families. You know, we talked to Cole Kutz a, a couple of weeks ago on the EC Live and he talked about the travails of being in the Scottish setup where county cricket now is is almost a non-possibility in Ireland, uh, someone who have, you know, faced the repercussions of all of that. So for Kim, again, you can't fault that decision to, to, to make that decision and um, hopefully we, we, we see the best of her and maybe in a, in a Southern Stars in an Australian jersey um, if we have some vested Australian interest. Moving on uh, to Luxembourg, who have announced uh, some of the only T20 international cricket around. Uh, we know that England and the West Indies are set to compete in a test series coming up, but Luxembourg have announced a T20 tri-series with Belgium and the Czech Republic from the 28th to the 30th of August, subject to relevant COVID-19 restrictions, of course. Just quickly, boys, this is a good concept. Uh, We have countries around the same geographical area and international travel might be a little bit easier at this stage, but looking at it, it's just a great chance for these guys to to go out, be on a stream, play some international cricket. We've seen the Czech Republic play in the European Cricket Series, and for Luxembourg and Belgium, it's, it's a good opportunity to play some more cricket. Yeah, look, we talk about time and time again the effect that T20I status for all has had to focus on more and more international games, a ranking system with every international team on there. But there's also an important um, lens to look through this as well is that the ranking points for those teams in the uh, the mid regions of, of the table is to try and get their ranking up to be in consideration for the playoffs for the next round of Cricket World Cup Challenge Leagues. So that is based on... T20I rankings. We haven't been given the full details there, but I, I know that Belgium are definitely one country who are trying to get themselves up that ladder so they can be in contention to be playing international 50 over cricket again. But great to see. Um, I don't think we've talked to, to one player or representative in an associate nation who doesn't think that the, the introduction of status for all across T20 cricket is not a, a great initiative that's uh, had great results. 
Yeah, uh, looking forward to this. I haven't seen Luxembourg play cricket before, so it'll be interesting to, to see how they go and uh, have a look at the setup. Uh, I've heard that they have a really nice venue, so that should be good. And it'll be interesting to see the Czech Republic players that have all been in action over the last few weeks with the, the Czech Super Series domestically. Well, I'm glad you bring up European Cricket Series events because there have been events popping up everywhere around the continent and there's been some records broken, some outstanding individual performances and we'll try and get to every single one around here now. We'll start in Germany with the Dream 11 European Cricket Series Kummerfeld uh, in Germany, of course, and a women's international, uh, a keeper batter by the name of Sharanya Sadarangani became the first female cricketer to play in the Dream 11 European Cricket Series. As I said, uh, a keeper bat looked quite handy behind the stumps uh, uh, Nick and, and uh, someone, you're the only keeper out of the three of us. Uh, I'm not sure how much of, of the action you saw, but looking at, at this standard of cricket, some of the elite women's players could definitely make their mark in, in a competition like this. Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, thinking back to my uh, crappy level of cricket, um, one of my mate's sisters played high-level women's grade cricket in Sydney and she came and filled in a few times when we were missing players or whatever and <laughs> she was a lot better than us. So I think at lower levels, it's a lot less of an issue. You know, internationally, there's that strength difference, but um, in this Dream 11 series, um, I, I think it's it's great to be giving the women more of an opportunity. And just thinking about women playing men's cricket, I know it's sort of a, there's different opinions on whether it even should happen but Sarah Taylor has played a few games I think she played some great cricket in Australia and potentially some some county seconds so I think wicket keeping is probably the discipline that translates best because it doesn't rely on the strength in the same way as bowling or batting it's more about uh, reflex and and sort of footwork and and touch rather than you know just the brute force of trying to hit it over the boundary for six or, or you know hurling it down as fast as possible yeah I would say that Sarah Taylor probably proves that point Nick one of the best keepers we've ever seen especially in the in this generation yeah, for sure. across men's and women's cricket and what an unbelievable keeper she was for England looking around to some other events in the European cricket world and another incredible individual performance out of Cyprus Arta Ulla Rehman scoring an unbeaten double hundred in a T20 match in Cyprus. 251 not out, 22 sixes and 24 fours. (laughs) Uh, A little bit of research on Arta Ula. Born in Pakistan, learned his cricket in Afghanistan. And Nick, you emphasized Tim's point of building heroes here. And we have another one in Arta Ula Rayman. What an outstanding individual performance. (laughs) What? um, Yeah, 251 not out. Unbelievable. That's, That's a good team score in a T20 game but um yeah I think this is what we're hoping for with these uh you know televised games and and getting these names out there and I mean obviously the the standard is uh well as we've said it's club standard but you know these guys who who come in and and put in a good performance can start building a bit of interest and uh, generate some viewers for the domestic cricket and that's the overall purpose of of the ECL and the ECN as Dan Weston has stated it is is getting the domestic interest uh, up and so yeah and anything like this I think is, is good for the game 251 geez I'm trying to think of of last time I scored that many in a season (laughs) (laughs) let alone in a a T20 fixture where you've got a maximum of 120 balls in the innings and he took up 80 of them and even still just seeing that number next to someone's name in a T20 match is uh, unbelievable I remember you know there were times when T20 cricket first started and we thought no one would get to 100 and then the likes of Gail and McCullum showed us that that was 
easy enough. But yeah, uh, 251 not out. I don't think we'll be seeing that anytime soon in any other competition around the world. So much going on in Europe at the moment. Uh, We also had some action in the Czech Republic and in Switzerland. And just to quickly round that up, because, well, I can't believe we've had this much cricket to talk about in early July with with very little televised cricket on, and it's a testament to everything that Daniel Wesson's done in Europe, but also, you know, at the endeavours of all the nations signing up to the idea of European cricket and the European Cricket Network and the league as well. So, you know, a lot of people deserve pats on the back around Europe, but just to wrap up, other action. Uh, we saw the Barbarian Vandals win the Czech Super Series Week 3, so they'll be at the final weekend. Uh, another excellent name as part of that competition. And the Zurich Nomads won in Switzerland in St. Gallen as well. Congratulations to them. And a great event in St. Gallen. Electronic ad boards around. Beautiful grounds and great coverage again to give one of our patrons, Cam Allen, a shout out as well. And you can become a patron from just $2 US a month <laughs> and you can gain access to our catalogue of extended shows and podcasts with our various guests over the last year and a half or so. Got to think of every single opportunity I can to pitch that idea to everyone because uh, that keeps the lights on as Tim Cutler would say. Uh, Some final news before we do chat to Freddie Clocker. Very, very keen to chat all things cricket with him. Uh, A little bit more tenuous in terms of emerging cricket, a full member in Zimbabwe, but I definitely feel it's worth at least a couple of minutes of discussion. Their ODI Super League trip to Australia is off. It's been declared as postponed, so hopefully down the track we will eventually see this. It's an interesting one because had it been, say, India, I think Cricket Australia might have looked to have got it up and running India are meant to come out before the T20 World Cup, but not part of any sort of Super League or competition like that. For it to be Zimbabwe, Tim, can you see how this can be construed in a way where it's a bit of a cop-out COVID-19 and having Zimbabwe not being able to come out and using the perhaps excuse of COVID-19? Or do you think this was a logical decision with, with plenty of weight behind it? Not seeing the numbers behind it, but also knowing how much cricket there is to be fitting in. It, it doesn't surprise me, as disappointing as it is, you know, we're looking at it through a, an associate cricket lens with knowing that the Netherlands only cricket for the next year and a bit, forgetting the, the T20 World Cup and the qualification there, but 50-over cricket was going to be the ODI Super League and to see this postponed and not knowing whether there's, they're ever going to find a time, it, it's tough. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is disappointing. Um, I guess not that surprising. There's been a bit of sort of will they, won't they with this series, hasn't there? It was originally going to happen and then the 100 was on and so they thought, oh, maybe all the players are going to be in England for that and then the 100 was cancelled and so then this was coming up and then they sort of said they were going to do it and then decided not to eventually but you know last I heard the Afghanistan test match was still on the cards which obviously that's great and I'm very much hoping that still happens but the fact that the Afghanistan test match isn't part of any broader context and this is the ODI Super League it it doesn't bode well for four members view of the Super League you know if this happy to just sort of shove it aside to play a bilateral you know when Zimbabwe I mean they haven't been in Australia for 15 years more even 2003 I think was the last time they came out yeah when when Hayden scored 380 right yeah yeah so that I mean that was a long time ago and for, for this 
this to be just chucked aside sort of indicates that top four members aren't taking the, the ODI Super League very seriously. And I mean, I hope I'm wrong about that, but I just have a bad feeling that it, it might not end up happening. And then, of course, that's going to very badly affect the, the Dutch guys who will have almost no cricket for the next little while. It's a timeline situation as well, because that Afghanistan test isn't till at least, I think it's late November. I think it's the 24th, 25th November, sort of that period. So... It, it might just be because of the time and, and trying to get everything up and running. Um, yeah, it's looking increasingly likely that this World Cup will be pushed back at least by a year. And then with the Indian T20 World Cup next year, also pushed back by a year to fit everything in. I think the, the, the ODI Super League, and we're hoping that it does eventually begin because we look at the Netherlands and, and it's such a great opportunity for them to be in the competition as well and, and all the funding and, and the TV rights that goes into it. And the high-level associate members, the Scotland's the Netherlands have found this period to be very tricky because they're just trying to move into full professionalism in terms of their squads but it's left a bit of a mark financially and given the situation of not being able to play over the last six months it has been tricky the lower end associate members don't quite have those same repercussions but we do hope that the Super League does get up and running and teams like Zimbabwe uh, Afghanistan, of course, Ireland, who are full members, and then the Netherlands, who are, well, hopefully not just making up the numbers, but they are the 13th team in the ODI Super League. Hope that that eventually gets off the ground sooner rather than later. That's all the news that we have time for at this point. But now, let's chat to Danish cricket legend, Freddy Klocker. Hi guys, I'm Chris Pierce, the head coach of the Czech Cricket Academy. Emerging Cricket Podcast. Tonight on the Emerging Cricket Podcast, we have another special guest. In Denmark, it's a warm welcome to Freddie Klocker. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, The stock standard question we've been asking people over the last few months, um, it has been a tricky time. How have you been able to spend it? Uh, And more importantly, how's the development of cricket going in Denmark at present? Well, obviously, it's been a bit of a shock to the system not being able to come out and play in early April and that. But in, in Denmark, we've uh, been playing, uh, what, I think, uh, three weeks of uh, cricket now. So we've been uh, quite lucky, I think. We've been one of the first countries to come out and play. So it's not been all bad. But obviously, the month up to that has been uh, quite challenging. But as everyone else, been on Zoom and uh, Teams uh, for meetings and setting up the summer's uh, program, which has been good. And, well, for the second question, and uh, the development is quite interesting. We're just coming up with a new program where we want to develop uh, women's cricket a lot more, but we are focusing on a lot of that. So uh, that's the uh, the summer's main main theme for us. And then uh, we're lucky enough to have Norway, who's going to come over with the under-19s and the senior side at the end of July, early August. So we've got a few few games coming up, which is nice to look forward to. Now, I was speaking to a couple of people earlier today, and I was thinking to myself, as a 14... 14- here we go. I can feel the, the inner fan boy coming out in here Bez. yeah there's a little bit of fanboying coming out here because never meet your heroes <laughs> yeah so a long story short i'm not sure if you're aware of the international cricket captain um game franchise nope. but when i was about 12 or 13 there was no australian cricket in it it was only county cricket and one of the players i was able to sign was a guy called freddie clocker right oh. and not knowing too much about county cricket at that point being very australian centric i was like oh, freddie clocker's an interesting name i'm, I'm wondering what well, his story was and finding out you know there's this Danish cricketer who's taking on the county 
cricket scene, making hundreds in first-class cricket in England. I actually want to go back. What are some of your early memories of finding yourself involved in cricket? How did you pick up the game? What was the start of cricket like for you? Well, as uh, most guys in uh, Denmark, really, my dad played when he was uh, my age and uh, he got into it because his neighbour was the local chairman of the club. That's how he got into it. And then um, when my dad played, well, all his teammates all had sons as well at the same age. So we created a team after been playing in the garden for a couple of years, then created a team. And then it just rolled on from there. And then we were quite good. We won a few championships, got into the under 17s team, then the 19s. And then, well, looking back, I wasn't really good, but I was one of the better of the bunch. And then I was so fortunate to come to Australia for a year. And then for the MCC Young Cricketers. I was there for four years. I think it's a record. Uh, some of the guys there taking the piss, they, they think it's uh, five years, which, uh, well, no no one's ever been on five years on the NYCs. <laughs> but, but I was fortunate enough to be there for a long time to really develop my skills. And then it just came on from there after a few years in Australia and I started doing really well. And uh, obviously played a few games for Warwickshire and then ended up at Derby and then that was that. I know a lot of Danish people do travel to Australia in their younger days uh, there's there's definitely a connection there yeah. what are some of your memories of, of playing down under wow well funny i've just been back to perth this year yeah for seven weeks to prepare we were meant to go to malaysia but obviously because of the, the convent and all that kind of stuff then it didn't happen but i love it down there you know perth is uh, it's a big city like in a uh, out in nowhere whereas then it's like uh, chilled down to earth and stuff like that and it just suited me to a t yeah, you know great guys out there it wasn't too hectic not too big so it just uh, yeah as i said it's a great place to be and I really developed my my game out there. Well, you'll be hearing this on Sport FM as well in, in Perth, so I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that in the uh, <laughs> the Perth Mafia of uh, Charlie Burke and Ryan Campbell and everyone will be really yeah. happy that we haven't uh, talked down to, uh, I don't know, we call it a separatist state. They're always talking about <laughs> seceding it at, yeah. at some stage. So talk about those early days and playing county cricket now. Everyone's talked about uh, Jonty Jenner coming on as a, uh, as a subfielder despite being a Jersey player. Uh, yeah. Have you told him to, uh, to pipe down and he's not so famous because uh, you're also an associate player that's been a subfielder for England? Well, every time I've been playing them, he's uh, normally pretty uh, quiet and I'll definitely let him know when I see him and when we play against him. But it's only in the recent time they start beating us a little bit. So now they're a bit, bit more chirpy. <laughs> oh, no. We've got an awesome relationship with the, the Jersey boys. We always competed. And obviously, when those guys that are doing well now, when they first came onto the scene, we had a more experienced side. So obviously, we were beating them quite comfortably, you know, most most of the time. But now that is changing. Denmark is having a younger side, and those guys in Jersey are doing a little bit better, which is great to see. But you know, we're pretty good at taking the, the mick out of the, each other. So uh, I'll definitely let him know next time if he uh, if he thinks he's the only uh, associate. <laughs> just uh, just looking back at you know your county days and uh, the obviously the experiences with the MCC young cricketer uh, your your county career was I guess over quite early D- do you feel like it was a bit of a maybe a missed opportunity that you, you could have played a bit more cricket for them or, or do you think you sort of achieved everything you could have in in county cricket well I, when I look back I have no regrets at all because I gave it my best shot and was there for long enough to do well I just don't think my uh, my level I wasn't um, a good 
good enough over a longer period of time. Uh, as uh, you said, I had a couple of centuries uh, in the first-class game, but if you look at my record other than that, I don't think I got over 30 in the other games. So it wasn't my standard, my average wasn't good enough, but when I played at my best, I thought I was in with a shout. But those days, I wasn't good enough. I was well below par, and that's, you know, and you can't make a career out of that. So And I know that, and I'm happy, happy with that, so I don't have any regrets at all. If it makes you feel better, you had distinguished careers in my international career captain saves as well. So you're a hero for all of us. <laughs> it's rare I get out-nerded, but you've out-nerded me here, Bess. Like, <laughs> the, well, I, I, like, I can recite all the cricketers' names in international cricket. You know, David or D. Boost and J. Dean and Terry Oldman. All, but uh, no, no, I think you, you, you've done me here. No, it was it was a lot of my childhood was spent playing cricket simulation video games in, in my <laughs> teens. Uh, quite sad, really, looking back but you know you come from a line of Danish cricketers who have succeeded and, and played at a high professional level um, even away from talking about the national team for a second but we've had you know Ole Mortensen is a man who's been much fabled in associate cricket ranks playing in England um, Armjad Khan as well who, who played a test against the West Indies uh, in 2009 I believe what's the pathway for Danish cricketers looking to move into that professional scene I know people have talked about Brexit and perhaps you know the issues there and, and potentially fulfilling a career in, in the English game looking now and and I'm sure there would have been times when you were playing where you felt a little bit hamstrung by potentially a lack of opportunities. But even now with Brexit, it makes it very difficult for a talented Danish cricketer to enter the English game. What do you think of the alternatives now? Is it a case of fully pivoting to the national team and, and looking to Europe and, and developing the game on that front to develop, you know, potentially professional cricketers? Because it looks as if England have kind of closed the door a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a great shame that, you know, they are trying to uh, rule out the European players to come over because when I first started there at the MCC and Cricketers we had half the team was all European because they were all trying to come in so like Kevin O'Brien Gary Wilson William Porterfield Dan Van Bunge Maurice Van Nierup all you know the list goes on with the guys who were there for them not to be able to have that same opportunity today is a real shame because we learned so much everyone learned so much of uh, the MCC on Cricketers and that stepping stone of second team cricket and then taking it up to what it's going to take to play first class cricket that not being there is it's a real shame so i think it is time that the europe if england the uk wants to play like that then i think it's time for europe to come out and try and see if they can think outside the box and say how can we gather the best talent and make a pool or a group that meet up and then you know they play against each other or with each other somehow you know because we see all these t20 leagues that you know was it uh, ireland scotland and holland playing in that and then maybe that could be a way in for some of the best associate players like your johnson jenner or if we had a couple of guys here in denmark or italy or spain or whatever that you say okay can they come in and join the, the 2020 scene and then take it from there and then see the coaches will then have an opportunity to see okay is there any hidden talent that is around europe which they definitely is as we've seen with the ECL so I think that would be a great pathway to do it yeah I mean we we often talk about this on the podcast but I think there's a lot of talent hidden away in associate cricket that you know these leagues are just missing out on and I talk a lot about Nikolai Damgaard who you know big tall left arm spinner keeps it very tidy would be a great addition to to T20 cricket and um, your your captain Hamid Shah I think would make a really good addition to longer form teams because he has a very good technique so I guess looking um, back at uh, Ole Mortensen's a guy I want to touch on in terms of the inspiration you know he was playing around the time you probably would have been getting into the game was he sort of a, a hero to young Danish cricketers as, as you're growing up 
Oh, for sure. You know, uh, him being around, he was the coach when I first came up. But obviously, when he came back from uh, England, he was around the clubs and doing, you know, trying to get guys into cricket. And of course, he was the big hero back then. Uh, and that moved on. Then there was Amjad. For that generation of players that we have now in the national team, the different uh, ethnic background, then Amjad came along, which, which was great. Obviously, it would be nice to have them still involved because they have so much experience and they have so much knowledge of a higher level of cricket than we have here in Denmark. So, obviously, we're trying with the board and all that to get them involved but for one reason or another I'm afraid it hasn't happened just touching on that and we're going to ask about development and growth of, of the game there but just touching on the point about what's next and where the next Danish hero is going to come from you mentioned about the ECL and also about the slam where do you think that that next step is going to be you know how did you see the evolution and and i guess the uh the non-starter being the slam and then how the ecl could work for danish cricket because it's you know as i sort of run it over to my head you've got all these names who've been able to play county cricket in the past and get recognized that way and the mcc uh young cricketers process which also gives opportunity for those cricketers around the world as well i know at hong kong cricket club we always had a, a coach that had come out of the yc's what what is next for denmark you talked about something you know happening within in europe do you see that as the ECL or, or something else? Well, I haven't given much thought. It's more, you know, what just comes up in mind as we, we're speaking here. But, you know, go back to the YCs. We spoke to them last year about hopefully bringing some guys over and then obviously it would be much harder with visa applications and all that kind of stuff. But if the MCC were still happy to work that way, that, that could be one point. But I wouldn't put all my eggs in one basket. I'll try and come out and look at different opportunities. And I think it's a time where we have to think outside the box. And it's not necessarily it has to be 2020 players because I think oh, everyone now 2020 you have to that is the way in yes but you also have to look at the player is he capable of playing longer formats like as you said Ahmed Shah he would develop so much under an academy or a second eleven in England but again it's just the way the the pathway to get into that is obviously going to be tricky and um, so again I don't know if it's a time for where we're setting up leagues for a longer format than than just the slams yeah so it makes you think that uh, perhaps you know, it's time to be looking at other countries and have other partnerships as opposed to the MCC, whether there are a Southern Hemisphere countries and clubs that you have those partnerships where players can go off. And I'm guessing you already have players and relationships with clubs like that, but something a bit more formalised. But yeah, it just seems to really put a spanner in the works in terms of the game's development throughout Europe. Because as you said, there were so many European players and it was seen as another way of growing the game through that YC program. So there's so many offshoots and ramifications from Brexit that I don't think everyone is really has got their head around yet. And it's really concerning for the game's growth in Europe. One thing, well, just coming to mind now, well, we could uh, open the market into to Ireland. Why not try and get some better European players come over and play in their first class listing and try and say, okay, can we have, is there enough good players in Europe to create 12 or 13 guys or squad and say then we have an extra first class team in Ireland yeah no, that's great and and put it in that way I've never thought of that but why not try and do that or if they say oh we, we got half a squad in Ireland that we could actually make another team with and then supply it with players from the from the associate cricket world I think we should be pitching that to Warren Dutram right now, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Get him on the phone, Tim. Well, of course he <laughs> listens to every podcast, so he should be. Oh, of course he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also the tie-in with the, you know, we've talked about these leagues before. They used to run between with an, a, and involving the Netherlands and, and Scotland as well. And I think that's another conversation as well. But, um, you know, considering that's a first-class tournament and Ireland are, are the heroes of the emerging game and, and heroes of were associates. And I think that's a great idea. No, but it's just, it's not something I can say I've been thinking about for six months or something like that. 
but it was a great idea. You should have said so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when you you get good ideas when you're in company with other guys that are trying to think outside the box, and you said like you you're getting good you know, good ideas. But as I said, they could someone does that, and then it's 20 players. The thing is just as important the World Cricket League as it is as the 2020 because you just get better cricketers when they have that more understanding of the longer game, and then they can always come in and play the 2020 stuff. That's that's what I think. Yeah, well, this is something that's come up quite a lot over the last few years. The the Intercontinental Cup and the uh, disappearance of associate-level first-class cricket. How Having played first-class cricket, how important do you think that longer format is to developing techniques and, and skills, even in the shorter format? Yeah, I'm not saying you can only go from that. I'm, you can still go either way. But like a player like myself, which I think there's a lot of them out there that wasn't really good to start off and I wasn't gifted with my hand-eye coordination that could go out and slam it and, and really smashing it around not that i can today anyway <laughs> but i learned through the longer game what my game was i had longer time i could bat for two sessions and still feel rubbish and work out and maybe it was the last half an hour i worked out okay how can i play on this wicket is it a spinning wicket is it a seeming wicket or you know then I, i'm learning about my game where can i play what shots and how should i be could it be aggressive today can i be defensive in 2020 obviously you want to play on the best surface possible so it's even for both teams and then you don't have the time to develop of your own game. Freddie, I'm just looking at a couple of photos of you uh, acknowledging crowds and I can see you uh, holding a woodworm in your hand. Now, is that a Warwickshire connection there with uh, with Simon Millington? Yeah, it is indeed. Deary me, he's everywhere, isn't he? Mate, he does a great job and he's been helping Danish cricket. He's been uh, supplying us bags and, you know, stuff like that for when I was uh, first involved with woodworm. But it's funny, it was the first uh, first time as when I had my job working out the back of his uh, his company or warehouses, philatelist uh, company. And um, then all this kid lying around and I was playing for the, the club he was playing for as well and then obviously that's how the connection came together and then some some very nice uh, kid so do you know um, Simon well yeah no I, I do he was in Hong Kong when I when I moved there and uh, he ended up doing the clothing for for Hong Kong and they side count Simon as a as a very good friend now we still talk with him now living in Nevada so that's a tough life for him huh within Kui of the uh, of the strip which has been very very quiet there in Vegas but uh, no no Simon's a very good man Looking to uh, the, I guess, the performance of the national team, you know, over the course of your career, Denmark have, they've they've sort of, um, they were hovering around that World Cricket League level four, got up to level three a couple of times. You've had some limited success, but overall a bit disappointing, I think, Denmark over over the years, you know, what has been lacking compared to the other associates in Europe and, and around the world? I think if you've been looking at the amount of games we've played compared to everyone else over the last 10 years, I think we'll definitely quite comfortably can say we're in the bottom two of that group. For whatever reason that's been, we've never seemed to play as many games as uh, other teams. Like if you look at Malaysia and Singapore, which we've always been around, if you look at the amount of games they're playing with the Asia Cup qualifiers and all that coming up, mm. they always seem to be playing where we we just left stranded playing uh, a couple of games uh, like we have Norway or Germany and obviously that's great but we just need more of it uh, that's lack of games would be number one and then the facilities we have here in Denmark is just so foreign to uh, you know what we play on uh, when we come out in our tournaments we play on some fantastic pitches and outfields which we just don't have in uh, Denmark we play on long grass football length grass uh, we play on astroturf not, not that it's a hindrance the astroturf is well and good but it's just the grass 
of fielding and batting on it is on two different things uh, and we really like that so I would say also in uh, the games we've had that the first game of the tournament we've been rub- rubbish even though we've had a, like a pre-tour we've been you know been playing our games but the first game in we've always been struggling and then we've just been getting uh, better and better the whole time and uh, at the end we, we've been playing some really really good cricket but we just haven't been consistent enough well um, you, you talk about the uh, the facilities in Denmark and, and we might touch on that later but there's been a lot of T20 internationals sort of popping up in Europe with uh, you know we've seen Luxembourg's hosting a series with Belgium and the Czech Republic and these little series sort of popping up you know I, I know you guys hosted I think it was Finland last year how important is that status to you know just getting you guys some more match practice yeah oh, it's vitally important I remember was it five seven years ago we had the Nordic Cup and then for some reason we stopped playing that but we're trying to create that this year so I think we might in this is Finland Norway and Germany we invited them up in August to come and play and as I said we've got Norway coming hopefully at the end of July so we are playing it but we just we need more of it I'm wondering you know you've played in the in the Danish setup for two decades basically um, yeah. I'm not trying to make you feel like this is more of a no 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 a footmark of just how present you've been in the in the Danish cricketing setup you know it's a testament to your longevity as well but what what are the changes you have seen in that time you know coming in as as a kid in a Danish national team now you're well and truly one of the leaders um, in that challenge league still playing and, and scoring runs for the national team I know your role has, has changed over the last two decades coming in as a young guy and then you know being one of the custodians now what have you seen in the, in the changes of Danish cricket in that last 20 years whether it's you know from a development point Point of view or, or just you know an improvement of ability perhaps well we're getting a, a lot fitter i think we've been putting a lot of not a, obviously over the 20 years but just in the last five or six years since uh, jeremy's got here you know we, we've been getting a lot of new guys in and we've been trying to focus a lot on fitness and stuff like that that's been been quite good but obviously again we're trying to push for games and we've got a little bit better at playing games but again if we want to compete with the other guys and go up uh, in the leagues and that we just need more games games and we quite haven't nailed that on the, on the head yet. We're still having the, all the practices, we're pretty much doing this the same, but I'm just saying there's a bit more professionalism, like Jeremy's brought that in really well, of guys are just being aware of what it, what it takes, where before obviously when my early days when all the mornings was here it was much more working you know then playing and then then having a good time but obviously really going at it when we were playing in the in the different leagues but i just think there's a bit more to it uh, these days so you, you've mentioned jeremy bray and um I, I remember speaking to him a couple of years ago in in malaysia during uh world cricket league four and one of the things he was talking about was uh getting you guys to focus on a bit more match awareness and sort of those more subtle things you know what do you think Bray as someone who who's played cricket you know for Ireland in in the World Cup and and has that experience you know what does he bring to the coaching role and and how has he changed the team oh yeah, obviously in, in that regard he's been testing the guys a lot more his knowledge he's been I think he's been challenging the players so much more than, than the other guys. Definitely about the, the match awareness and just how about going about doing things in the game. Obviously, the whole scenario of batting, bowling and fielding, he's trying to put so much more emphasis on guys thinking for themselves and not just being spoon-fed with information that he's giving them. He's giving guys time to try and develop their own game by drip-feeding information so they can work it out for themselves. And he's been really good at that. I would say, obviously, all the Mortensen came uh, straight from England and then was the coach in the early um, 
in early 2000s. But Jeremy just brought that new level of guys trying to have an insight of what it's like playing international cricket and how you go about developing your own, own skills. Nick, do you want to tell your story of going to the wrong Royal Selangor <laughs> and missing and missing half of uh, Freddie's ton there in 2018? Well, um, <laughs> well, uh, we're going to move to some uh, some career highlights, but one of my uh, favourite innings of yours was seeing about half of a century that you scored against Bermuda uh, in in Malaysia a couple of years ago. Uh, but unfortunately, I missed the first half of it because I went to the wrong ground. Which, yeah, the, there's multiple. Royal Selangor grounds in Kuala Lumpur as a, a bit of a warning to anyone trying to get there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, looking looking back at, at your career, um, you started one of your first outings, I guess, was the 2001 ICC Trophy. Yeah. Um, and, and I've spoken to some of the Namibian guys from, from that tournament. You know, what are your memories, you know, coming in as a young guy trying to qualify for the World Cup in Canada there? Oh, it was a, again, an amazing tournament. When you look back, you know, the cricketers that was uh, playing there, I remember Ed Joyce was playing in that as well and he uh, came out from Ireland and Carl McKellen so they had obviously a, a good side but from what I remember it was a lot slower game where you're thinking okay 220 like was a winning score the batting wasn't at the highest of standards but the bowling and uh, well definitely the bowling was uh, was quite impressive you know when you look back there were some some good names but I just remember that it was just a little bit slower than it is today with the white ball and, and the tempo in which you're trying to uh, to push the game at. And uh, so, so what are some other, I guess, uh, you know, looking back on your career, what would you put in the a Freddie Clocker highlights? Well, I think my first 100 there was it uh, 2005 in, in Ireland. When I got 120 odd not out against the US. That was pretty special. Uh, that was uh, quite a good day. And then obviously, I think got 120 odd against Guernsey at Sussex. That was uh, quite good in a 2020 game. Mm. Well, that was uh, Andrew Nixon, one of his highlights of the decade actually so that must have been a I didn't see it but uh, it was apparently quite a great innings yeah it came out of the middle of that day so it was nice uh, that was a very nice hour and a bit there so the one against Bermuda there was uh, quite good different as uh, not as I don't think uh, it was scoring that quicker rate, but they only got 220 or something like that. So it was long, but then batting nearly three hours in that uh, heat and the humidity was uh, quite a good effort. Well, I was feeling it. I was just sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. I also remember from that WCL4, the finish against Uganda, where you guys uh, lost by one run with four wickets in the last over. You know, what what was going through your heads, you know, watching this look like you were so close to, to victory and then that just happened in, in the last over? Oh, but again, that comes out of not playing enough competitive cricket. You know, obviously, I'll touch a bit on that. You know, if you were playing enough competitive cricket against high-quality oppositions, you, you get into those situations. And that, what happened there, was just a product of our player not being exposed to that enough. Because as you say, you'd imagine like 99 times out of 100, you'll win that game. But because then young players never been put in that situation before, you panic. And that's what you saw. It was pure panic. No one was thinking clearly and trying to just take it in. As much as Jeremy and myself were trying to give information at the back, it's the players who are out in the middle have to read the situation. And for some of those guys, maybe it was the first time they were really, you know, in, in that environment. And when you're in that environment for the first time, how big a chance you have of a team to succeed? Because when you get higher and higher, the games are going to become more more regular like that. Uh, and again, that's another, uh, another reason why we haven't um, gone up through the ranks because we haven't been put enough uh, pressure situations and been good enough to deal in those uh, situations. 
A huge thank you to Freddie Clocker for joining us here on the show and good luck to everyone in Danish cricket. As we said at the top of the pod, don't forget to subscribe to the Emerging Cricket Podcast, pass the pod around and make sure to give us a five-star review. For now, on behalf of Nick Skinner, Tim Cutler and me, Daniel Beswick, see you next week.